Chapters sixty to sixty three of Tristram Shandy, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume four. Last volume by Lawrence Stern. Chapter sixty. I call all the powers of time and chance which severally check us in our careers in this world to bear me witness that I could never yet get fairly to my uncle Toby's amours till this very moment, that my mother's curiosity, as she stated the affair, or a different impulse in her as my father would have it, wished her to take a peep at them through the keyhole. Call it, my dear, by its right name, quoth my father, and look through the keyhole as long as you will. Nothing but the fermentation of that little sub-acid humour which I have often spoken of in my father's habit could have vented such an insinuation. He was, however, frank and generous in his nature, and at all times open to conviction, so that he had scarce got to the last word of this ungracious retort when his conscience smote him. My mother was then conjugally swinging with her left arm twisted under his right, in such wise that the inside of her hand rested upon the back of his. She raised her fingers and let them fall. It could scarce be called a tap, or if it was a tap, twould have puzzled a casuist to say whether it was a tap of remonstrance or a tap of confession. My father, who was all sensibilities from head to foot, classed it right. Conscience redoubled her blow. He turned his face suddenly the other way, and my mother, supposing his body was about to turn with it in order to move homewards, by a cross-movement of her right leg, keeping her left as its centre, brought herself so far in front that as he turned his head he met her eye. Confusion again! he saw a thousand reasons to wipe out the reproach and as many to reproach himself a thin blue chill pellucid crystal with all its humours so at rest the least mote or speck of desire might have been seen at the bottom of it had it existed it did not and how i happened to be so lewd myself particularly a little before the vernal and autumnal equinoxes heaven alone knows my mother madam was so at no time either by nature by institution or example a temperate current of blood ran orderly through her veins in all months of the year and in all critical moments both of the day and night alike nor did she superinduce the least heat into her humours from the manual effervescencies of devotional tracts which, having little or no meaning in them, nature is oft-times obliged to find one. And as for my father's example, t'was so far from being either aiding or abetting thereunto, that t'was the whole business of his life to keep all fancies of that kind out of her head. Nature had done her part to have spared him this trouble, and what was not a little inconsistent my father knew it and here am i sitting this twelfth day of august seventeen sixty six in a purple jerkin and a yellow pair of slippers without either wig or cap on a most tragicomical completion of his prediction 
that i should neither think nor act like any other man's child upon that very account the mistake in my father was in attacking my mother's motive instead of the act itself for certainly keyholes were made for other purposes and considering the act as an act which interfered with a true proposition and denied a keyhole to be what it was it became a violation of nature and was so far you see criminal it is for this reason and please your reverences that keyholes are the occasions of more sin and wickedness than all other holes in this world put together which leads me to my uncle toby's amours chapter sixty one though the corporal had been as good as his word in putting my uncle toby's great romali wig into pipes yet the time was too short to produce any great effects from it it had lain many years squeezed up in the corner of his old campaign trunk and as bad forms are not so easy to be got the better of and the use of candle ends not so well understood it was not so pliable a business as one would have wished the corporal with cheery eye and both arms extended had fallen back perpendicular from it a score times to inspire it if possible with a better air had spleen given a look at it twould have cost her ladyship a smile it curled everywhere but where the corporal would have it and where a buckle or two in his opinion would have done it honour he could as soon have raised the dead such it was or rather such would it have seemed upon any other brow but the sweet look of goodness which sat upon my uncle toby's assimilated everything around it so sovereignly to itself and nature had moreover wrote gentleman with so fair a hand in every line of his countenance that even his tarnished gold-laced hat and huge cockade of flimsy taffeta became him and though not worth a button in themselves yet the moment my uncle toby put them on they became serious objects and altogether seemed to have been picked up by the hand of science to set him off to advantage nothing in this world could have co-operated more powerfully towards this than my uncle toby's blue and gold had not quantity in some measure been necessary to grace in a period of fifteen or sixteen years since they had been made by a total inactivity in my uncle toby's life for he seldom went further than the bowling green his blue and gold had become so miserably too straight for him that it was with the utmost difficulty the corporal was able to get him into them the taking them up at the sleeves was of no advantage they were laced however down the back and at the seams of the sides etc in the mode of king william's reign and to shorten all description they shone so bright against the sun that morning and had so metallic and doughty an air with them that had my uncle toby thought of attacking in armour nothing could have so well imposed upon his imagination as for the thin scarlet breeches they had been unripped by the tailor between the legs and left at sixes and sevens yes madam but let us govern our fancies it is enough they were held impracticable the night before and as there was no alternative in my uncle toby's wardrobe 
he sallied forth in the red plush. The corporal had arrayed himself in poor Lefevre's regimental coat, and with his hair tucked up under his Montero cap, which he had furbished up for the occasion, marched three paces distant from his master. A whiff of military pride had puffed out his shirt at the wrist, and upon that, in a black leather thong, clipped into a tassel beyond the knot, hung the corporal's stick. My uncle Toby carried his cane like a pike. "'It looks well, at least,' quoth my father to himself. CHAPTER Sixty Two. My uncle Toby turned his head more than once behind him to see how he was supported by the corporal, and the corporal, as oft as he did it, gave a slight flourish with his stick, but not vaporingly, and with the sweetest accent of most respectful encouragement, bid his honour never fear. Now my uncle Toby did fear, and grievously too. He knew not, as my father had reproached him, so much as the right end of a woman from the wrong, and therefore was never altogether at his ease near any one of them. Unless in sorrow or distress, then infinite was his pity. Nor would the most courteous knight of romance have gone further, at least upon one leg, to have wiped away a tear from a woman's eye. And yet, excepting once that he was beguiled into it by Mrs. Wadman, he had never looked steadfastly into one, and would often tell my father in the simplicity of his heart that it was almost, if not about, as bad as talking body. And suppose it is, my father would say. Chapter 63 She cannot, quoth my uncle Toby, halting, when they had marched up to within twenty paces of Mrs. Wadman's door, she cannot, Corporal, take it amiss. She will take it, and please your honour, said the Corporal, just as the Jew's widow at Lisbon took it of my brother Tom. And how was that? quoth my uncle Toby, facing quite about to the Corporal. Your honour, replied the Corporal, knows of Tom's misfortunes, but this affair has nothing to do with them any further than this that if Tom had not married the widow, or had it pleased God after their marriage, that they had but put pork into their sausages, the honest soul had never been taken out of his warm bed, and dragged to the Inquisition. "'Tis a cursed place,' added the corporal, shaking his head, "'when once a poor creature is in, he is in, and please your honour, for ever.' "'Tis very true,' said my uncle Toby, looking gravely at Mrs. Wadman's house as he spoke. "'Nothing,' continued the corporal, "'can be so sad as confinement for life, "'or so sweet, and please your honour, as liberty.' "'Nothing, Trim,' said my uncle Toby, musing. "'Whilst a man is free,' cried the corporal, "'giving a flourish with his stick, thus,' There follows a squiggly line diagonally across the page. A thousand of my father's most subtle syllogisms could not have said more for celibacy. My uncle Toby looked earnestly towards his cottage and his bowling-green. The corporal had unwarily conjured up the spirit of calculation with his wand, and he had nothing to do but to conjure him down again with his story and in this form of exorcism 
most unecclesiastically did the corporal do it. End of chapters 60 to 63